0: So this morning, uh, we're going to do something a little different. And uh, it's different a little bit because we've got some guys on stage with us this morning. But it's also different because I think this might be the first time in Pleasant City Church history that we've taken an Easter series and continued it beyond the week after Easter, which is kind of weird, okay? Uh, And I have a reason for that. And the reason is this. This whole series, this series called Promise Kept has all been about the idea that God has made promises to us and that every single promise that God has made, he has kept. Amen? Amen. And we believe that, we know that to be true, that every prophecy that's been out there, every promise that God has made, he has kept. And what we've been looking at and discussing these several weeks together around Easter is that the promises God kept begins with an empty tomb, but continues to a wide world, a wide place, a wide world with many, many people. And we see this in what we're talking about today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, uh, whether it's a Bible or a phone, whatever works for you, Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to be this morning. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is probably uh, a message, probably a verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture that is very familiar to just about every one of you in the room. If you grew up in church any amount of time or or, or around church any amount of time, you've heard these verses before. And the temptation for us this morning is to just kind of glaze over, right? But there is so much power in what we're going to share this morning, Jesus is alive. We we know that to be true. We celebrated celebrated that at Easter. Jesus is alive, and in Matthew twenty eight, you have what's happened after Jesus has risen from the dead. Last week, uh, Gary talked about Jesus's second coming, but there's this time in between Jesus's resurrection and the second coming that we are now in, and the disciples found themselves in as well. It's like this now what moment. Okay, Jesus, you've risen from the dead. Now what? Now what should we be about in our lives? And in Matthew 28, you have it right here. And I want to read this, and it's, again, it's very familiar, but I want to read this, and then we're going to break it down. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, says, Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here's the promise. This is the promise right here. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, we wrapped up a series uh, called The Incredible Life, and I had the privilege to kind of wrap that series up, and I kind of had a weird I- I- experience happen to me after the week following that, that series wrapping up. Um, you ever had that moment where you get ready to go on vacation, or you get ready to go out of town, and you're leaving Shelby, you know, you're driving out of Shelby, and that, that feeling hits like, I think I forgot something. You know what I'm talking about? Did I leave something running? Did I forget a certain piece of luggage? Do I have all the boys' toothbrushes? I mean, we had those moments, right? This is kind of the experience I kind of went through after The Incredible Life. Because The Incredible Life series was all about what does it mean to live incredibly. And I came to the end of that series thinking, I feel like there's something, if I could have had one or two more weeks, something that needed to be added. And this is it right here. This is it. This promise, this command that we see right here in Scripture. How do the words that Jesus just spoke to his disciples and is ultimately speaking to us, how does that affect the way we live? And this morning, we want to break that down. And like I said, you've probably heard a million messages on this passage. And so this morning, I wanted to have a conversation about what jesus is saying here to us and i've got some two two friends of mine uh that are here in our church this is daniel rice and john oriente and uh if you're new here or you you haven't been here in a while or maybe you just you've been here for a long time and you still don't know who these guys are i want to give us just a minute maybe guys if you don't mind just maybe introduce yourselves and maybe the ministry you're involved in
1: yeah I'm, i'm i'm daniel rice i'm the daniel not the johns or jonathan's and uh but uh my wife is Erin. she's sitting on the second row there, and um, we, we have three children. We have uh, uh, one little one called Elizabeth that you see all through the church, um, but, uh, and she's eight years old, but I have two others, too. I have uh, Hayden, he's, he's 18, and I have Addie, who's, who's, who's 21, and so we, we get to see them at different periods of time. We're a blended family. And um, but our ministry is, is Jim Rice Ministries, and I've been going on on mission for for many years, uh, over 30 years uh, with 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 my father. And this recent, but about five, seven years or so, um, I started to lead the mission. And um, our heart is touching people everywhere with the good news of Jesus Christ. And and we do that by developing and 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 seeing God multiply uh, world-impacting disciples. And, and so we, we, our heart is not just to share the gospel, but our, our heart is to, to, to see uh, people uh, come together and, and start to live it out in their communities and in their families. And that's, that's really where we are in mission. And, and we've tried to bring teams, and we have have done that. We brought a couple teams from our, our church um, to to Jamaica and and we've acted that out uh, within uh, Jamaica where we we have gone. So that's what we do.
0: Yep.
2: I'm John Oriente. Uh, got six kids. Four of them are mostly the girls are grown and gone, and we've got a couple twelve-year-old boys, and we work with all in marriage. Um, Jim, <laughs> did that make you
0: speechless, man? <laughs>
2: There's only so much I can say about those boys. I can't. <laughs> if y'all are children's church workers, you know about our boys. Um, they're in merge right now. Um, but uh, we, we work with All in Marriage. My wife and I are lay leaders of that. We, um, Daniel and I are also deacons at the church, and that's, that's pretty much it. We, my wife and I also work with Family Life. We're crew, uh, local affiliate members, and we're about to take on more role with them as well.
0: Yeah, So we're excited to have these guys on stage. We're partnered with both of these ministries, uh, All in Marriage as well as Jim Rice Ministries. So we're thankful that you're here today. And we just want to break this passage down. So look right here with me in verse 18. This promise that Jesus is telling us, it starts with God's authority. And look at what it says here. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, it's funny because we know this, this passage as the Great Commission. And a lot of people start the Great Commission with the go and make disciples part, which is a good good part of the commission, right? But for a lot of us, they, we don't realize that verse 18 is just as much a part of that commission as verse 19. And this is important. This thing starts there. Why is this important? You, you talk a lot about this, Daniel.
1: Yeah, because it's... Um we see that that it's not our authority that we're going in where it's um god's given it to jesus you know he's given him the authority and then jesus has he's meeting with his uh, disciples there and he's sharing them the great commission and and he's given him uh, he's given him the authority and then given them the authority to live this out and and so that, that's why I believe it's, it's, it's real important because it's not, uh, it's not coming from our power. It's coming from, from, uh, from the Lord Jesus. And, and so we're acting that out um, in, in our life and wherever we go uh, on mission. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's good. You know, Colossians 119 uh, says this. It says, For God was pleased have all of his fullness dwell in him who's the him it's Jesus right Uh, this is God's authority and this is kind of interesting when you start thinking about the Trinity the idea that God the Father uh, transfers that authority or gives that authority to Christ and what's amazing about this passage is we see this is what Christ is doing God's authority transferred to Christ, now transferred to the church, now transferred to every believer for a purpose, right? And this is a great thing, because what we're about to talk about this morning, we can't do it in our own strength. Daniel just said that. It's the fact that we have confidence, not in and of ourselves, not in and of our own abilities or our own gifts. We have confidence in the power of God, in the authority that God has given us. And this is an important place to start. But look at what it says right after that. We, we talk about God's authority, and then you have Jesus' assignment. And this is the part that most of us have heard for years. But look at what it says in verse 19. Therefore... Therefore, because of God's authority that we have been given, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is the assignment that Jesus Christ has given each and every believer in the room this morning this right here, this assignment. What is this assignment? What's this assignment?
2: I can kind of share what it's not. Okay. Because, you know, I was raised, I'm Puerto Rican and Italian, that makes me Roman Catholic by birth. (laughs) And I mean, I attended mass for 23 years. We were very involved in the Catholic church. Um, My dad played the guitar, the priest played the drums. We were at the University of Miami. It was a very contemporary service. Don Shula, Bob Greasy were there. It, I mean, we, we, we were faithful to be in church. 23 years I was there. And what I believed to be my Christian duty, my Christian service was to attend mass and take communion. And as long as I did that, then I, I was a Christian. And then it wasn't until I was presented the gospel after college that I realized I was unsaved, that just attending church service didn't save me. And then I spent, you know, 15 more years, 25 years after that, just trying to get people saved. So that was my next assignment, get them
1: saved. Yeah, I, I, I can speak on that, John, um, is, is, is I, I pastored a number of churches. And, and the churches I went to and, and pastored, I, I, I was, I was I, I, even living up uh, I, was in a, I was a pastor's. Uh, I am a pastor's uh, son, just like Jonathan here. Sorry, about I'm it. I'm trying to get it all out. <laughs> but, uh, but when I went, I, I, I would check off the box. I came to church. I would go to, uh, to, to, to my Sunday school class at the time. Check off the box. I've been there. I did this. I did that. You know. And, and it was all about that. It was all about going and doing. And and, and and even with pastoring, that's what I believed it was. I, I, I had been taught that in some manner. You know, this is what you do when you go to church. You come to church, uh, and then you go to church, and then you when you go back home, it's, it's done. You know, there's nothing else involved in, in really what it is to um, act out what God has told us to do to make disciples. That's, and, and so... I, I, that, that That may be you today I mean that might be where we're at today is we may say okay we've, we're here and we're here and we're just you know doing what we've been told to do and and, and it's really not uh, living it out It's really not uh, trusting in God and, and obeying him and and and, and, and seeing what we're going to be looking at come forth in, in our life. Mm.
0: Well, and and I love this because you guys were talking to me about this earlier. It's, you know, John, you you shared this idea of, okay, I used to think that my relationship with God was church attendance and doing the church things, and then it moved to becoming saved, praying a prayer, getting saved, and as long as you were saved, that's all that mattered, right? But then you kind of had a revelation here like in the last what, seven years? Yeah,
2: five years, six years ago.
0: So what was that? The, the revelation was that
2: salvation to me, if I could get someone to say a sinner's prayer, they were saved, job done. And, and then I'd just move on to somebody else. I led my father to Christ, one of my brothers to Christ, and I thought, job done. And then I got this revelation that the word doesn't tell me to get someone to say a sinner's prayer. It tells me to make a disciple of them. Hmm. And I'm thinking, goodness gracious. I thought that was the end. It was really more the beginning. That salvation prayer was closer to the beginning. Then I was supposed to be working with people, discipling them, training, building them up. And I had missed that whole portion of it for going on 25 years of being a Christian Now, I don't even consider myself a Christian. I consider myself a disciple, and I'm not trying to
0: make Christians. I'm trying to make disciples. Yeah, and you have a similar testimony. Just the idea of um, you shared this. uh, uh, I've heard you share this several times, Daniel, this idea of, you know, going on mission trips for years and years and years with your dad and with different ministry teams and uh, getting people to raise their hand, pray a prayer, and thinking, in, in some ways, thinking well the work's done but really well, i mean you you shared about this recently like your whole ministry has really kind of had a restructuring and an overhaul based around this concept john's talking about
1: yeah it, it, it's true because we uh, our whole heart would be uh, going on a mission trip uh, i quote the trip part of it <laughs> and we would we would go there for those many days and we would be is sharing the gospel. That's what we would do on the on, uh, streets and on the roads and in the houses, wherever we went. And, 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 and we wanted to see people make make you know, come to know Jesus Christ. And so we would get people's hands. How many have, have come to know Jesus Christ? And so we would come back and say, look at us, you know. Look at us. We, we have 100 people that came to know Jesus Christ today. You know, and then when we came back home, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that, and I, I'm just being honest with you. You know, I, I, I went into those places and I got myself up and I led my teams and, and they were doing that. And then when I came back home, um, I wasn't doing that with, with my wife or with my children and and not even wherever I went. I It wasn't all about that commission that was in my life it was it was it was all about uh um, what I did on that trip, and so my whole focus changed from i'm going on mission uh trip to wherever I was, I was on mission, whether it was in my home, whether it was at the store, whether it was at the restaurant or whether it
0: was in Jamaica yeah. you know, and that's kind of where where I was. Yeah, and the mission was no longer let me see how many people I can get to raise their hand and pray a prayer right. as as powerful as that is, allowing God to come and rest in our hearts, right? Like that's amazing thought. It doesn't end there, no, right? It doesn't, and no. this is what the assignment's all about. And I love what you just said about the idea of not just going, but as you go. And right. really this is an important place to start that In Matthew 28 there, the word go translates as you go. So we always get this picture of when we hear go and make disciples, we automatically think, okay, this has to be uh, going to Zambia or going to Nepal or going to Jamaica or going to Haiti or, or some other place in the world or going outside of where we're based. And the idea is as you go, do this. And why is this translation so important? I mean, what's the difference between go and as you go? Well,
2: you know, I get off the hook as soon as they say, well, go into all the world. Thank God. I've not been called to go to Zambia. I've not been called to go to Jamaica. So I'm off the hook of the Great Commission. But if I read that and I study that, it's as I go. I'm as I going every day. And it doesn't say it's as you go, make disciples of all nations. Nations isn't Zambia, Nations just people group. It's just people. As I go, I'm going to meet all kinds of people. They're going to be different from me. I don't meet a whole lot of Puerto Ricans in Shelby. I'm trying, but there ain't a lot. But there's all <laughs> kinds of different people. And that's what the Lord is saying is as you go, make disciples of all kinds of different people. They may, not, they may not be the same color. They may not be the same economic class. They may not go to the same church. None of that matters. But as I'm going and I see all kinds of different people, that is who I'm supposed to be making disciples with. Amen.
1: Yeah, and I, I I had a situation where I was at, uh, when I was pastoring a, a church, I was with my son and, um, and we were go, going to a meeting. And... Uh, and so I, I, I was focused on, i got to get this, this item from the store so I can go to this meeting. And I was with my son. my son, Hayden, he saw this man outside, you know, really needing some help. And I said, Hayden, we can't wait. We have to go to the church. we <laughs> got to go to the church meeting. To talk you know, about we, can't, to we, we can't do this. My son <laughs> saw it. He saw that this man was in need, and I needed to stop and spend time with him and relate to him and share Jesus in some manner with him. But I didn't see it. And I said, no, Hayden, we got to go. And I ended up going and missing that opportunity, not just with that, with, with, with that man, but with Hayden that I was trying to make a disciple of. Mm. And so I think a lot of times we miss it, mm. you know, when God says, as you go, it's, it's everywhere, at your workplace, and it, it's right in your you know, neighborhood. It's, it might be right in your family. It might be your wife or, or your husband or your child. Hmm. You know, you, miss, you, you can miss out on a disciple-making opportunity.
0: That's convicting and ironic, right, that you're going to a church meeting to learn better, how to help people and how to make disciples and missing the moment completely. Yeah. And uh, this is what it means to As You Go, that we're doing exactly what these guys have said. And you guys have seen this play out in your own ministries, like um, Jim Rice Ministries has been around for a while. Uh, John, you talk about AIM for just a minute. Uh, this revelation a few years ago really kind of restructured how you guys did all in marriage.
2: Yeah, we, we went to Watermark Church. Watermark in, in Texas uh, is the largest church to teach marriage ministry, and the pastor spoke to... a you know, several hundred of us and he said, the way we measure the success of our marriage ministries is how many disciples we make. Hmm. And I was like, what? I said, isn't it how many marriages you save? Like how few divorces are in your church? And and he, he said, and I know some of you were thinking, how few divorces? And, and he said, if you save a marriage but you lose their soul, what have you really done for them? Hmm. And so they use the vehicle. Of people struggling in marriage to speak to them about Jesus and make disciples of them and it's really a win-win because I find that if I can make a disciple out of a man if my wife can make a disciple out of a woman they'll stay saved Hmm. Uh, and so really we're using that vehicle now as a discipleship ministry
0: yeah it's good well, let's look at this verse, because it says here, as you go, verse, eight, or verse 18, or excuse me, verse 19, therefore, go, therefore, as you go, make disciples. Make disciples. Uh, what is a disciple? Like, I know that sounds like a, a no-brainer uh, question, but what is a disciple?
1: Well, what, what I see a disciple as is a person who's learning. Mm-hmm. He's learning, but also he's he's He's, he's walking with a person. He's living life with a person. And uh, he's seeing how that person uh, lives, uh, even the good things, the bad things, even the ugly things, hard things. And at the same time, this person who is discipling him um, is is learning to speak into that person as they are walking in life, kind of like a a father does uh, to his, his daughter or from my standpoint, my daughter, um, there, there's times where I, uh, she sees how I act, and, and I sometimes don't act so well, hmm. and there's sometimes I try to live my life so it will speak into Elizabeth, and, 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 but at times I, I'll stop and I'll talk to her, and I'll try to speak into her, her life you know, tell her some truth from God's Word of how to, how to live life. And I think that is, that is what a disciple is. It's a, it's a learner, but also a follower.
2: I think there, there's an important component in there is It's someone that just doesn't hear the Word of God, but does the Word of God. Mm-hmm. If you call yourself a disciple, and this is where I've, I've moved away from the word Christian, because you really can't find a definition of the word Christian in the Bible but you can look up disciple, which is what Jesus said to make disciples, and they'll know you're my disciples by their love one for another. You can go through and look and find dozens of scriptures that define a disciple, but it's essentially someone that loves God, loves others, and doesn't just hear the word, but does it as well.
0: That's good. You know, uh, Daniel, this conversation started years ago for us, me and you uh, particularly, and uh, I didn't realize at the time how much you had really studied this particular passage. In fact, I would dare say out of anyone I know, I've, I, you've probably studied this passage more than anyone I know. And you have some great insight here about what make disciples actually means uh, and what that looks like in the context of that passage.
1: Yeah, since, since, yeah that's, that's true, Jonathan. That's really my heart base, is this, is this scripture. <laughs> is uh, this is what changed my world um, uh, years back, is where I was, uh, I was looking at this, and, and so many people, when I'd seen this, they had given me, well, there's all kinds of imp- uh, 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 commands in it. There's all kinds of commands. Go is a command, people were telling me at times. And they, they would say, you know, make disciples is, is one. And, 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 and then you have all kinds of others within there, baptizing them, teaching them. But, but um, a young man came beside me and, and, and taught me this scripture and showed me that there was only one really command. And the command is, like this table, you could say, make, make disciples, make disciples. That is the command uh, uh, to everyone here who knows Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And then he tells us how to do it. He don't just leave us with the, the, with, with the command. He don't say do it because a lot of people are going to say, how do I do it? I don't know how to do it. But Jesus gave them what, how to do it. He said, you do this by baptizing them, or you do it first of all. It says, it says uh, make disciples of all nations. So God's vision is that all people everywhere would bring glory to his name. And so, and, and, and in Scripture, it says that all nations, all tongues, all tribes, you know, would do this. And you see that in Revelation. If you, if you read that, it goes through the Bible, and then you see it in Revelation chapter 5, I believe. But, but in this, he says all nations is a part of it. We have to see that God can do something great with that person that you're discipling. He can make a, a, a disciple that makes disciples that, that reach the world. And that, that idea is, is, is in this scripture. So all nations. And then you have baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever I think of that, I think of, you know, uh, the, the, the Christ uh, that we see this baptism. We just had it just a, 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 a little bit ago where someone was taken underneath the water and then coming back up. You once were dead, but now you're alive in Christ. And so that's another uh leg, what I would call, of, of making a disciple. And then the next one is teaching them. We don't just leave them after they come to know Christ, but we, we actually walk alongside of them. We help them to live uh, a life that, is, uh, that, that will one day make another s- a disciple. We're, we're looking for others. We're, we're looking for others that we can, um, you know, invest in and spend time with. And so there's three parts and of, of that. Yeah. And so if we're going to live out the make disciples, we have to have those three legs. And if one leg goes, then the table falls. And some people, if, if, if you've got one leg and, and you know, in the two legs, it, this, this whole table will fall down. If, if, it's, if you only have one leg, it's really going to fall down. You know, but but so we need all three legs to be there for us to see a disciple made that can make other disciples. That's the heart base of what that is saying, I believe.
0: And it's a great illustration. I mean, you got a three-legged table here, why not yeah. use it mm-hmm. uh, for that idea that and it's not that one of us is responsible for the all nations and one is the other. It's this is what it looks like to make disciples. All three of these things have to be here. So let's break these things down just a little more detail okay. if y'all don't mind. Okay. It says there therefore and go therefore go and make disciples of all nations. I love you just said this. All nations Uh, The Revelation 5 passage, it's funny, uh, my brother Quint McCoy, I think I saw him walk in, we were kind of had a little bet, there was no money involved the other day, Uh, he (laughs) thought it was one reference, I thought it was another, I learned something quick. Quince very rarely wrong. So, um, we, we, it, was, it was anyway. <clears throat> Revelation 5 9 is an incredible passage, and it's really the end game to what we're going to see. You know, uh, Gary talked about the return of Christ. I love this in Revelation 5 9. It says, And they sang a new song. Who's they? Believers, followers of Christ, disciples, and they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. This is the vision of God, that it's not just a bunch of Shelby people around the throne of God. It's people from every tribe, every nation, every language. Ethnos is the word there. And so, how do we do this? Like, what does that look like for us here in good old Shelby? How do we go and make disciples, or as we go, make disciples of all nations? How does that look? Yeah,
2: I mean, it's it's really, not everybody is a paid pastor, right? So, if you look around the room, there's just a couple paid people here. Jesus wasn't talking to the paid people. He was talking to everybody. The commission is to everybody. So if, if I'm not a paid pastor, that means I've got some other thing that I do with my time. And so if I go to work, if in the house, just as I go, every single place I go, I meet people. And my assumption is if you come in contact with me, that you're part of the dominion that I need to take dominion over for the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah,
1: that's good. Yeah, and I, I think this is a, a good part, too, because uh, some uh, even if you are a pastor, we're supposed to be doing that, but, but we're not going to be able to reach everybody. There's certain, there's certain person that we can speak into that, that, I, that, 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 that one person can speak into that another person can, you know. And uh, God's put us in those specific areas where we can do what God has commanded us to do. And I think I think when that happens, uh, we we can we can see just great things happen. You know, in our church, God can reach many many people with 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 the, the love of Christ. Yeah.
0: Verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This second leg, baptizing. We just did this a couple weeks ago. We had several people give, their, uh, or give us an example of what God had already done in their life, right? And uh, we do this a lot. And it's the highlight of a Sunday morning is baptism. Is this what this verse is talking about?
2: You know, the baptism is an outward sign of what should have happened inside of us upon salvation where we are transformed. When I got saved, I was radically saved. Um, My assumption was everyone else gets radically saved. But when we go down and we come up, it says you are dying to be, you are no longer the Lord of your life. When you come up, Jesus is the Lord of your life, which means he gets to be about the father's business with your life. Uh, We talked about earlier you left something like on vacation. Mary and Joseph left Jesus when they were 12 years old for three days. They came back and were like, where were you, Jesus? They found him preaching in church. They're like, Mary said, Jesus, what are you doing? You worried your dad and I sick. It's three days. He says, well, Mom, why are you even asking me this? Don't you know I have to be about the Father's business? So when we go down and we come up, the declaration is I am not Lord of my life. Mm. Jesus is. Mm. If Jesus is the lord of your life, what will you be doing? I promise you, you will be about the father's business.
1: Yeah, that's 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 something about that the baptism is dying, dying daily. And now, you know, a lot of things we we it's dying to self. If 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 there's another scripture that that speaks into this, it says that we are to deny self, take up our cross, follow him. Mm. And that's how you know that you're my disciple. And, and, so, and so dying to self is not an easy thing to do. Because a lot of people love, you love yourself a lot. I, I love myself a lot. And, and I, I can see it at home, you know. And so uh, uh, my wife tells me a lot of that. You know, she lets me know that, that, that that's true. Uh, but but, but I, you have to die to things of this world Because you are living for another Lord, another Master. You're not living for the world anymore. Mm. You're living for for Jesus Christ. You know, He is everything to you. Mm. He wants all of you.
0: Mm. Amen. Verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This third leg, teaching. This is what is required to make a disciple. What does that look like?
2: I can tell you in some of my experience as as we're working with couples, sometimes the the man that I'm working with and and they can be part of our church for many, many, many years and, and they're functionally illiterate as it comes to the word of God. And, and I thought it was just me as a Catholic. Well, of course I didn't know the word of God. I was raised Catholic. It's not about the word of God, but I've seen people that have been not just this church, but come to us from many different churches that have been in church their whole life. And no, almost no scripture and certainly don't understand how it pertains to their life. So it makes living by the word of God extremely difficult when you don't know the word of
1: God. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I've been working with a young man uh, just recently. And um, uh, what I love about this young man, his he he Rico. He, he, uh, you, you read the word of God to him and, and he'll read it and he'll say, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. And I'm, and I'm able to help invest in him and help speak into him and help him understand what I know. If I don't know it, I'll tell him, I don't know it. I, I'll help. I'll try to find out how I can get an answer to you. And maybe we both can understand this together. So mm-hmm. it's an investment. Yeah. It's an investment. I think that's a beautiful thing, what, what that uh, teaching is. It's you spending time with another person and investing in that person. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and it's so crazy because we, we kind of see how this plays out in culture, right? There's there's this plan that God has, this heavenly plan, God's heavenly plan versus our human plan. And this is kind of a recap of everything we've just talked about, but you kind of have this idea. Our human plan says this is a special calling for a few people this make disciples thing it's a special calling for a few people namely pastors and missionaries but God's heavenly plan says something different it says no this is a general command to every single believer that if you're in this room this morning and you profess Christ this is on you right to make disciples. Our human plan is about staying local. And I I, I use that word, I'm not even referring to just Shelby. I'm talking about the tendency for us is to hang out with people that don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't have the same status that we have, um, don't live in the neighborhood we live in. Like the people that are like us and around us, those are the people we kind of do life with and we never step outside of that. That's, that's kind of this human plan that's in place. But God's plan, we just saw that, the nations, right? God's plan is both local and global. Our human plan is all about coming to hear, right? Coming to hear a good message. That if I'm a believer in Christ, if I just come on Sunday morning to hear a good message... I'm good. Like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing in the faith. In fact, what what do we do? Like, we even kind of tell ourselves now that the best thing for us to do as a Christian is invite someone to church. If I invite someone to church, then I've just, I've done my job. That's all I need to do is just invite people to church, and that pastor or that person on stage, maybe they'll lead them to Christ. But if I just invite people to church, that's what I'll do. And some of us don't even do that. But it's not this human plan of coming to hear. No, God's plan says we're going to go and make. We're going to make. We're going to make disciples for Christ. And guys, this is such a thing that why is this so hard for believers? Why is this so hard for us to get our minds around this vision that God has for us?
1: I think one reason maybe is because we're not doing it. Hmm. It's because we we, we read it and and hear it and, and we put it down on paper and, and sometimes we, we, we come back to our houses and we say, oh, that's a great message, and we put it down. And we really don't just study it and say, I, I want to I see if I can be this person. I want to try to be a disciple. I want to live as a disciple. And, so, and that means you have to be intentional. Um, I think there's an intentionality. There's so much spiritual opposition
2: the devil doesn't fight a weak anemic church. I never felt accosted in the Catholic church just showing up, doing my thing and leaving. But you get people making disciples out of other people, you will strengthen. Leaders making leaders is a completely different strength in a church compared to five hundred people that will come listen, you know, sing a couple songs, listen to people and, and leave. That is a weak, anemic situation that God never intended to take place. So I think the devil lets that go, but will oppose the real disciple-making initiative.
0: Yeah. And, And what I love about this passage is Jesus doesn't just leave us with this assignment. He says, all right. See you guys later. No, the promise kept, the promise in this passage, his assurance. Jesus' assurance is right here at the end of verse 20. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus sandwiches his assignment Between the authority of his power and the assurance of his presence. And man, that is powerful when you think about that. That he is right there with us. This is how we experience God's presence. Not just when the when the music gets great in worship. No, it's more than that. That God's relational presence with us is displayed when we make disciples. And the reason for some of us not feeling the presence of God working in our lives is because he's not able to actuate that within us because we're not doing what he's commanded us to do. This is what God is calling us to. And making disciples is not sacrifice as much as it is satisfaction that when we are called and we are commanded to do this and we do it, we're actually doing the thing we were created to do. And we get to do it alongside of the king of the universe. This is what it means to make disciples, to have that assurance, to have the authority of God before us and to have the assurance of God, the presence of God behind us. He closes us in with that. And so this morning, I kind of want to end with this idea of your application. We've talked about God's authority. We've talked about Jesus' assignment. We've talked about Jesus' assurance. But what is your application in this? Where do you find yourself this morning? It's really hard to know what to do until we know where we're at. And we have there on the the screens, and it's there in your handout. It's as big as we can make it in the handout. I know it's kind of small, but... Um, You might need a magnifying glass, but where do you find yourself on this discipleship process? Are you spiritually dead? Are you spiritually an infant or a child? You know, maybe maybe you think that years being saved equals maturity. I can assure you it doesn't. I've met 70-year-old men who have been a Christian for 50 years, and they're still in the infant stage of their walk with Christ. And how do we know that? Because they've not made a single disciple in their life. Because they've not, they've not done anything to progress the kingdom of God. And I think for a lot of us, the application starts just asking ourselves the hard question. Where are we truly, where are we truly on this graph right here? Where do we find ourselves sitting And we want to leave you with two questions to think about today. First question: Who is discipling you? Who is discipling you in every season of life? We need this, right? I talked to a gentleman the other day. He's a senior adult, many many years of following Jesus, faithful man of God. He was a pastor for many years and. I was just talking to him uh, him about, you know, who, who still disciples you? Who still pours into your life? And without hesitation, he just named off several people at his age that were still pouring into his life. Who's discipling you? What does that look like, John?
2: You know, if you know my wife and I at all, we talk a lot about Matthew 7, 21 through 23, which just says... Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is gonna enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those that do the will of my father.
0: Hmm.
2: And then they'll say in that day, Lord, Lord, you know, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do very many miracles in your name? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. And I think, man, I have got to have somebody checking me. I can't even imagine at the end realizing that I really wasn't saved. Mm. That I said, Lord, Lord, this outward profession, but inwardly I was really defiled by the world, but I never had anyone checking on me. Mm. I never, I mean, if you're the smartest person you know, you're in trouble. (laughs) Is there anyone speaking into your life that calls you out on pride, on selfishness, on spiritual immaturity? You know, my wife, if, if I don't have a mentor, she gets nervous. Is there anybody that I answer to? Or do I just answer to, to nobody? And, and so we all have to be under authority. So for me, that's just an important step is having someone that I'm under.
1: Yeah, yeah I, th- I, th- I think too, John, um, there's a lot of people that may have spoken into you for seasons. We have seasons of people, seasons when people are speaking into us. And, and I've had those seasons, and I've had lapses in seasons. I've had times whenever, um, like my, at the beginning, it was my father that was speaking into me and, 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 and that, and I would have a lapse. And, and, and during that lapse, like you're saying, John, uh, it, it's, there's, there, who's going to speak into you? Who's going to help you through those, those times or speak and ask you some hard questions? and encourage you who's who is that person and and so I think it's important that we find a person that can do that you know and I'm sure you've had those times too and so those that's very important uh, is that we don't lapse uh, we don't have that lapse of of a
0: person to speak in our life yeah it's almost like insurance like we Mm -hmm. we worry about this all the time right like we don't want to lapse in insurance or medical insurance or whatever Man, how much more do we need to think about that in our own life with Christ that we've been called to make disciples and to be discipled and to have people pour into our lives. And so this is a big thing, guys. Like, for some of us, we get this in the, in the, uh, in the career world. Like, we always look for those people that can mentor us in careers. We will look for people that are better at us at hobbies. We'll go find the golf pro to help us get better at our golf game and yet not... And, and yet miss this completely. Mm-hmm. So the first question for everyone in the room that's a believer in Christ is who is discipling you? And if you're not a believer in Christ, man, you need that too. You need that more. And so who is discipling you? The second question we want to end with today is who are you discipling yourself? Who are you discipling? You know, I'll just say it. If you're a connect leader in this room, if you're a clubhouse volunteer or a warehouse volunteer, it's it's kind of a no-brainer, right? That you have been given. You don't even have to go look. You've been given people right there. That you have been given the opportunity to disciple them. And you've been entrusted with them by God to help motivate and facilitate discipleship in their life but it's it's so much more than just that it's like what you said like for a lot of us we miss our own kids we miss our own spouses the opportunity we have to disciple others are our eyes open when it comes to this and I don't care if you're 12 in the room as a believer in Christ or if you're 100 in the room as a believer in Christ we have a command it's not even just a calling we have a command to go and make disciples.
1: And I, and I, don't, I don't think it's uh, hard, Jonathan. Yeah. I mean, I, I think God has, has, has put those people in your way. Hmm. Um, if we really talk about as you go, um, each of us go to places. I mean, we go to a restaurant. We go to um, a, a job. Uh, we go uh, to different uh, people. We see people in our community hmm um we 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 have a child we we have a grandchild we have someone that that we see a lot and and there's numbers of people that god puts in our way that we i think can can disciple yeah
2: and jonathan we do disciple our spouses and our kids but we can't make that the totality of our ministry if if you think your whole ministry is just to your family then you're teaching your children that The only thing important is your family.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's the first ministry, but it's not the only ministry. Exactly, Man, that's good stuff. Um, We wanted to just leave you with those two questions this morning. And I really want you to think about that this week. I want you to really try to answer that question. Even on that piece of paper, if you want to, you can write. When you get home today, who is discipling you? Write out who that is. And if you can't come up with anyone, you're not being discipled. And when you get to that other question, who are you discipling? if you can't come up with anybody, then you're not doing it. If you even have a hard time coming up with it, that means you're not being intentional with this. And one of the things we really wanted to leave with today is something very practical. You know, discipleship is not just a church program, right? It's not just something that we do as a church. It's something we do individually. But for some of you out there, you might be sitting out there today, and maybe you're new here, maybe you've been here a long time, and for whatever reason, you've just had a hard time either finding someone to disciple you, or you've had a hard time finding someone to disciple. We wanted to do something very practical, and we don't know what this looks like, but if you have your hand out, go ahead and just get that out real quick. Right here at the bottom, right here at the very bottom of our little outline this morning, there's a thing here that says, today... Uh, I realized I need to be discipled. Or today, I realized I'm available and ready to disciple others. Our desire as a church is that there would be no one here with a desire to want to disciple someone or with a desire to be discipled. We don't want anyone being left behind in that. That if you have that desire and that's not already happening in your life, I want to encourage you to, to to go ahead and fill that out. Stick it in the give boxes on the way out today. And, and we're going to try as pastors to connect you to someone that can disciple you or to connect you to someone that can help you, that, that you can disciple. But we, we really have a heart for this. And we believe this is the heart of God, that we would go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, God, for uh, John and for Daniel. Thank you, God, for... Just uh, the wisdom we've heard this morning, not their wisdom, but your wisdom, God, that we thank you, Lord, that you've given us this word, this revelation to hear from you. God, help us to be accountable for what you've given us, Lord, that we would not just sit back on our haunches when it comes to this, Father, but you would lead us, God, motivate us to step outside of all of this And follow you, Lord. Make disciples, God. And Lord, that that we would ourselves be discipled. That we would have accountability in our own lives as well. Father, we pray that you would do what only you can do through this message. And God, that we wouldn't leave here just hearing more information. But God, that we would take this application. And God, that we would ask ourselves, who is discipling us? And who are we discipling? God, we know you want to give that to us, Lord, and we want to be satisfied with that command today, God. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you so much, John and and, uh, Daniel, for being here. You're dismissed.